Hey, welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. I'm excited to have you with us today as we get to hear from an incredible leader. And by that, I mean somebody who is not only making an impact in their field of ministry, but also in the incredible wisdom that he has collected over the years of interviewing some of ministry's top leaders. People like Brian Houston, Carrie Newhoff, Andy Stanley, Pastor Choco, Jody Hickerson, and so many, many more. Uh, Jason Day is the host of churchleaderspodcast.com. If you have not downloaded this podcast, make it part of your weekly listens because it's fantastic. He has great stuff to share. And I had a chance to be on his podcast a few weeks ago. Apparently, he had run out of really good guests. And so he let me on. And I thought, well, I'd love to interview him. And so I asked him, and he said yes. And I was really fascinated to learn what does he learn from interviewing all these incredible leaders and what insight could he share with us? And so I hope this is helpful for you, whether you're a pastor, uh, whether you work on a church staff, whether you work in the marketplace and are a Christian just trying to leverage your influence and leadership. I think you're going to be fascinated by some of the things he has to say. Now, I will ask you to give me a little bit of grace. Our recording was not great. We were in the middle of moving offices. The Wi-Fi was kind of going in and out. He was gracious enough to give me a, a couple of cracks at this. So we've, we've pieced this interview together. But while the recording isn't great, the content is fantastic. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jason Day. Okay, I want to welcome to the program Jason Day from Church Leaders Podcast. And Jason, tell me a little bit about just your story and how you got to doing what you're doing. And, and you live in Colorado Springs. Are, are you a Broncos fan? I pray that you're not, but uh, uh, let, let me know a little bit about you. Yeah, definitely, Rusty. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to, to be on and to be sharing with uh, leaders who will be tuning in. So, um, yeah, I'm from South Florida. So I'm from Naples, Florida. That's where I grew up. So I am actually a Dolphins fan, Oh, a Broncos fan. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. Office, we've had a, a, a really rough run for pretty much my entire life. But <laughs> we hold on to Dan Marino. That's, you know, the glory days, right? Um, but yeah, so I grew up in, in South Florida. I uh, now live in Colorado Springs, as you mentioned, and I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Monica. I met her just before my senior year, and uh, we actually got married um, while still in undergraduate school. And um, it was uh, it's kind of interesting because she is a PK. Her father uh, was a pastor and um, been kind of a pastor to pastors as a district superintendent for, for many years before he retired. And so she never had any intention of marrying a pastor or minister at all. And I had no intention of ever being one, quite honestly. Um, I, I was studying pre-medicine. I was accepted to medical school. Um, and But before I, I went, I... Uh, I was just, was just really seeking God. God had been working in my life for actually a couple of years there during undergrad. And um, and for me personally, it was as much a call ministry. I tried to negotiate with God. I was like, I'll go be a doctor in Africa, you know. And and uh, but, but God really, really made it clear that that was something that I needed to kind of relinquish. And so when Monica and I were engaged, she thought she was going to be marrying a medical doctor and uh, ended up marrying a a minister, so uh, it's just kind of funny how, how God does that. Um, but we have uh, we have six kids. 
Um, so God has blessed us. Six kids in six years, in fact. One of our claims to fame as, as parents, um, our oldest is now 21. Mm. And uh, one of our claims to fame was that for six months of our life, we had six teenagers. So our oldest was 19 still, had not yet turned 20. And our youngest are twins, and they turned 13. So we had, uh, you know, it was a, a tight-knit family, six kids in six years, and uh, we had them young. Oh. And uh, look back on family movies now, and, and we understand why everyone thought we were crazy, because we were just a couple kids with, with a bunch of kids running around and oh. doing ministry and pastoring and, and all that fun stuff. So um, so that's that's kind of kind of. You know the family life there but uh, god like i said called me into full-time ministry i didn't even really know what that looked like or what that meant um had no ministers in my family um really didn't even know what you went to do to be a um a, a pastor or a minister and uh like i said i had my life kind of pretty all pretty much all planned out uh, you know medical school and and all that fun stuff and when god got a hold of me i just really you know went through this time and and as interesting as I was wrestling through that call experience, um, I just set up some appointments with pastors in my hometown. Um, pastors, I didn't even know most of them. I just called them and set up an appointment and they were gracious enough to let me come by and, and chat for a little bit. And I just asked all of them, you know, hey, what, you know, what was your call experience? How did you know God was calling you into this life of ministry? And, and they shared their stories and then I shared, hey, I'm wrestling right now with a call and, and they all prayed for me and and uh came to a point where i i just said okay god if, if this is what you call me to do i don't want to do anything else but i really don't know what that all means and so um for me it was a bit of letting go of control like i said i was very driven i had life pretty much planned out um even as a young college student i thought i did at least and um and god you know really asked me to give up that control and just to trust him and uh, it's, it's been quite a journey since. I've served uh, initially as a youth minister, uh, not knowing what else to do. And, and uh, God opened the door and the church reached out to me. And, and uh, so we had you know, a very fruitful youth ministry, great years. We look back on those years fondly. Many of our teens are now serving um, in ministry or if they're not in full-time ministry, they're you know, engaged in the church and raising their own families now um, and their own little kids in the church, which is awesome. Uh, but from from my time being a youth pastor, then um, God, you know, made it clear, Jason, you know, called me in to be a lead pastor. And so I had the opportunity to to serve three different churches as a lead pastor, and um, just just great times of ministry there as well. And um, then God kind of got a hold of my heart, and uh, it was interesting. I was serving uh, as lead pastor at a church here in Colorado Springs, and uh, I had planned on you know really being being in that church forever. And uh, God was doing some neat things, and we're excited about uh, the direction things were going. And um, one morning during just my regular quiet time with God, God just, you know, I, I just kind of start felt impressed by the, the Holy Spirit that saying, "Hey, what I've called you to come and do here, you've done, and and I've got something else in store for you." And uh, I resisted that initially, to be honest, because I wasn't really ready to to go, and um, and kind of wrestled with that for um, probably a few weeks before I even talked to my wife, Monica, about it. And then I shared with her and um, she said, you know, she'd be praying along with me. And so the two of us were praying for, uh, it's probably a few more weeks and Monica said, hey, Jason, you know, you need to, 
you know, I think you really need to get some clarity on, on what God's speaking into your life right now. And so I took uh, three days, went up into the mountains here in Colorado, the Rockies, there's a little cabin, just me and God and fasted and prayed. And, and um, during that time, God just, you know, really spoke to my life, made it clear that yes, he was releasing me from the church. And, you know, I felt like um, God was giving me a green light there. But at the same time, this is what was kind of unusual. I felt God was saying, uh, but I'm not releasing you from the city. Um, and and that was kind of a little perplexing because uh, I really didn't know what that meant, right? Like um, in the past when I felt God, you know, uh, you know, saying, hey, you know, I've got a new season of ministry for you. It you know, typically was, you know, I left the church I was pastoring um, through some tears and some hugs and God opened the door, you know, led me to another church to lead. Um, but this time it was, it seemed a little bit different. And so that was kind of uh, challenging to wrestle through. God knew what, what he was doing and um, opened the door in, in a pretty, pretty dramatic way for me to come on board here at, at outreach and with church leaders. And, um, and it's just been absolutely amazing. It's so cool to see how God's fingerprints were all over everything, how he, um, brought our family here at Colorado Springs, how he, he, he put the pieces together um, for me to be able to serve here at, at Outreach. So um, I, I host the Church Leaders Podcast, as you mentioned. I serve as the Vice President of Mobilization here. So we have a team of about 150 um, here and uh, do a variety of things in helping equip the church to reach people with the gospel. And so um, I get to focus a lot of my time and energy on, on doing just that, equipping pastors and coaching and speaking and um, you know, just providing content and encouragement that helps pastors um, lead their churches and, um, uh, you know, revitalize their churches to share the message of Christ in their communities. So um, pretty, pretty, pretty neat journey that God has had us on and uh, I'm just excited to see what he has ahead. So, well, I tell you, that's that there's a lot to drill down on there. Uh, the first thing is six kids that are all teenagers. I mean, God bless you. That that's unbelievable. <laughs> God bless my wife. Actually, she's, she's actually the hero of the whole story. Yeah, we have two two teenagers right now, and I think, wow, this is quite a season. So, um, okay, let me ask you this, because you you mentioned several points there in your story where you really had to discern the will of God. Now you knew what that was like. How do you explain that to your kids? Your 21-year-old comes to you and says, I think God might be telling me to move to Africa. Okay. How do you help him walk through? Because I think a lot of our listeners are kind of dealing with this with their kids. How do we help them make right choices? And not just the choices we would make, but the choices that God wants them to make. Yeah, that, that's a great question, Rusty. You know, what's, what's fascinating, I think, is that, um, you know, when it comes to discerning God's will, I mean, the, the huge element there tends to be trust, right? Because um, as God is speaking to our lives, as God is guiding us, there's this this matter of, of trust. I, I've found that many times uh, in my life, my own life, and in, in you know mentoring other people who are in ministry, and just you know my kids, just just as a pastor, you know, talking to people in our, our churches, um, and sometimes the, the real wrestle in discerning things and trying to you know get clarity on on how God's speaking to our lives is um, comes down to oftentimes 
trust. You know, we, we don't want to relinquish control. We don't want to just kind of step out in that trust. And so that sometimes clouds how God's speaking into our lives. So um, I'm really, really kind of focused in on um, just this, what I like to call um, courageous obedience, right? So we, we take time to, to stay close to God. If that's the only way we're going to be able to hear how he's speaking into our lives. Mm. Um, you know, many, many times I've had conversations with people um, as a pastor, people in my church, and, you know, they feel like, oh, yeah, I need to, uh, you know, I need to, you know, leave my job. I, I just feel like, and, and really, it may not be so much that they are, are sensing God is calling them to leave their job, um, but they're just in, in this place where um, they, you know, they're growing spiritually and so they've got some excitement about that and they kind of translate that into um you know i need to you know be in full-time ministry or whatever that might look like well oftentimes i think that when we step back um and begin to dig in a little bit deeper more deeply uh the questions i often ask is tell me about um how god's speaking into your life during your regular daily quiet time um and and you get a really good feel at that point if if it's just because they're excited because they went to a retreat, you know what I mean? Or um, just from hearing a Sunday message or something like that. Or if this is something that's going on in their day-to-day journey um, as they're submitting themselves to to the Spirit, right? Right. So in, in talking with people, whenever they're trying to discern that, the, the very first thing, I think the, the, the first step is, is this something that's coming out of your daily interaction and encounter with God, you know, is this coming from, you know, your time in his word and your time in prayer? Hmm. Um, because so often, uh, and, and we all know this as, as church leaders, so often um, people aren't investing as much time daily in listening and seeking God. Um, but we kind of sometimes foolishly think we're close to God uh, because yeah, we're involved, you know, we're, we're in church every weekend or whatever, right? Or, you know, or we're serving a particular ministry. But, but the real question is, are we spending that time with God? And if we're spending that time with God, um, then I think is how we can begin digging in a little more to discerning how God's speaking to our life. But that first piece isn't, is it really happening? Um, and I've had this conversation with my, my adult children, so I have one's 21 and one's 20. Um, um, that are out of the house right now, and they, um, you know, I've talked, you know, and, and said, hey, you know, because they have exciting, they have dreams and ambitions and different things going on, trying to figure out where, you know, where to live and what to study and where to serve and what job to do and those types of things. And so it kind of comes back to, um, you know, are you tight with God regularly on a daily basis? Is God speaking to the, to you these things out of that relationship? Or are you just picking these up from a podcast you listen to or, you know, uh, a conference you went to, you know what I mean, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think really that comes down to our discernment and, you know, that, that daily digging in, you know, that daily relationship, that daily listening and seeking. Wow, that's, that's such a great clarifying word there, Jason, because you're right. I think we're all easily swayed by fads and trends and friends. And, and truthfully, just when we're dissatisfied, I, I heard somebody say, if you like your job 60% of the time, you're in good shape. So, right. you know, most of the time we think I had a bad day. Maybe God's telling me I should, 
you know, leave it all and do something else when oftentimes if we run from something into ministry, we're not going to be satisfied in ministry. Because as you know, ministry is really difficult because it, it just goes to the very core of who you are. Um, let me ask you that about leaders in general. And I, I mean this from the perspective of church leaders and leaders in the church. What do you sense is kind of their greatest need right now at this season of, you know, history and culture? Um, because you deal with this a lot, you interview a lot of people, and you resource a lot of pastors. Um, give me the top three things that all pastors or leaders in the church are are really seeking after right now. Yeah, I, I think... Um... Just in conversations that, that I've had an opportunity to have, um, both you know, in interviewing people for the podcast and then just in my travels and speaking with pastors and, and ministry leaders, um, I would say that one of the key things is um, this understanding of finding our identity in, in the fact that we are um, a son or daughter gods right so finding our identity in who we are in christ and not what necessarily we are doing um, we live in an age where um, comparison is is rampant um, and it, it's that way because you know we jump on social media we see every other youth pastor you know every other children's ministry every other church every other youth pastor you know and we see these you know really the you know it's been said many times, it's really just the highlight reel, you know what I mean? It's the top 10 plays of, of someone's life. Um, and so we, we get into this comparison. So sometimes we get sucked in in our identity. Um, and, and this is cultural too, because we're in a culture that places a high emphasis and a high value on production. So sometimes our identity gets tied to what we are quote unquote producing um, as ministry leaders, as opposed to who we are in Christ and how we are leading out of um, our relationship in Christ. And so I, I think that's one of the one of the key things in leadership is this, this sense of identity and where that is rooted. Is that rooted in whose you are, um, you know, in, in who you are in Christ Jesus, or is that tied into somehow, um, you know, whatever it might be, how many followers you have on Instagram, um, how many people you have showing up on, uh, you know, a, a worship gathering at your church, you know, how, how many um, campuses you have, you know, whatever that might be. So where is your identity? So I think that's one of the key things. And, and that's, you know, in ministry leadership, but that's kind of across the board. Uh, I think people are struggling with that idea. And that definitely seeps into um, us as ministry leaders, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's, that's one. I say the second thing is um, we live in a, a world that's very divisive, you know, and has been for quite some time. And so um, I think the second key thing for leaders to to understand is how do we balance um, truth and grace so that we are not adding to divisiveness, um, but we are pointing to Jesus. Mm. And that's that's you know it's easier to say this, Rusty. You know, the two of us talk about this on podcast. Um, than it's necessary to do from a pulpit or, you know, week in and week out in ministry. But that is something that we, we really need to pay attention to, is are we contributing to divisiveness or 
And I think that that filters into all different aspects of what we're doing in ministry, whatever role we might play. And how are we relating to the people that God has entrusted to us, the families, the teens, the kids, whomever that is that God has entrusted to us in ministry? How are we relating to them specifically in a way that helps them see the beauty and the compassion, unity, be part of the kingdom of God? That's good. As opposed to always pointing out and getting caught up in these kind of divisive conversations. And we see this in the church world a lot. We see people leaning heavily in one direction or another direction and blasting things out across social media. And that only contributes to divisiveness. So how can we have that balance of speaking truth, but doing it in a way that's filled with grace and is characterized by the love of Jesus? So I think that's probably the second thing that a lot of ministry leaders really need to kind of focus in on and take the time, talk with your staff and your team and kind of talk through, are we contributing to divisiveness or are we, again, pointing people to Christ? So that's our key piece. And then I think the third key piece is, and it kind of comes out in a second, and that is how are we intentionally connecting with people who are far from God? And this is one of the things that I spend a lot of time kind of focusing on and coaching and sharing and leading in this area. And that is, how are we actively engaging people who are far from God? How are we entering into spiritual conversations? People are hungry for spiritual conversations. But all too often, we get caught up in kind of the nuts and bolts of our own ministry area. And we may not necessarily be entering into those conversations with people that runs across our paths outside of our kind of ministry lane. The people that we know from high school, maybe that we went to high school with and are connected to on social media. The people that live right around us in our neighborhood. The people that we are bumping into on a regular basis in our daily lives, whether that's your barber or your banker or whoever that might be. And so just kind of intentionality that we are trying to look with eyes as at work and in just the everyday normalcy of life. Jason, got you breaking up here just a little bit. That's such good wisdom for our audience there and things that I think we all wrestle with. Jason, you've been able to interview a lot of incredible leaders from Brian Houston to Tony Morgan, Louis Giglio, Gary Haugen with IJM, who I just had the pleasure of meeting last week. Man, what a phenomenal guy. And you've met these people either live or via digital and learned from them. You know, what are some of your biggest learnings from some of all these movement leaders and church leaders that you've talked with over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, what's cool is, uh, like you said, I, I've had the opportunity to, to meet with and, and speak with a lot of kind of household names, you know, names that within the church world, at least, you know, pretty familiar. 
Um, but I've also been blessed uh, through our podcast to be able to talk to some some people who are doing significant things for the kingdom, but not necessarily a name that we're all going to recognize. But you know, in their kind of pocket of the world or the country or, or whatever, um, God's using them in mighty ways. And so, I think one of the cool things that I've taken away from you know the conversations I've had with both those people that are very familiar and well known and those who are, are not as well known is that all of us um, as we're as we're leading uh, no matter how big or how small um, it, it might feel whatever it is that we're leading um, we all have uh, the same same challenges right mm-hmm. we all have the same struggles so it's it's not like um, sometimes we sit back and think, oh man, if, if my church was, was, you know, like so-and-so's church or if my ministry, you know, if my youth ministry was like, you know, this particular youth ministry, then, oh man, think of how, how great or how easy or, or whatever it might be. The reality is no matter big, how big or how small, the challenges are, are, are the same. And the, the cool thing is that everyone's dependence upon God is, is vitally important. You know, no matter where you find yourself in leadership, no matter uh, what area of ministry you're leading, no matter what your role or what your title might be, um, it comes down to really just being dependent upon God. And that's like the common theme. Uh, and it probably shouldn't be so surprising, but that's kind of like the common theme that I've sensed across across the board with all these different guests from different contexts, different backgrounds, different responsibilities was really that the key um, to lead well is knowing that God is the one who is ultimately the leader. Mm. Uh, no matter how many people we may think we're leading, that God is the one who is leading. And when we can submit ourselves daily to that, mm-hmm. uh, that is when we can really make the biggest, biggest impact. Um so I, I really think that's probably one of the, one of the big takeaways from the all of the conversations that I've had is is that every great leader is a great follower of Jesus, and that's not just a cliche. That's mm-hmm. how they live their lives. You know, that's that's such a great insight there because, especially when you're in your twenties you look around at other people that are successful in the field that you're in or aspire to be in, and you just assume, I just need to be them. Right. And that's where we get kind of tripped up, and we we end up becoming somebody we're not, and then we feel inauthentic and can't keep up the smoke and mirrors, you know. And it it is so much about a a life fully surrendered to God in that perfect place. I, I remember talking to a guy, I think you probably interviewed before, Hayden Shaw, um, just a great generational mind. And I asked him, what, what makes a, a church grow? And he just said, right guy, right place, right time. And, you know, it really is not so much about a skill set or, man, this guy's an incredible communicator. Those are all great gifts, but it's God using that person in that right place, right, you know, right time. And uh, when when we fully surrender, that's when the good stuff happens. And these guys that, you know, that, that you've interviewed men and women um, that have done phenomenal stuff, put them in a different scenario, may not have the same result. It's just God using them in that unique place to do something really special. Right. Definitely. And Rossi, one of the other things I thought is, is pretty, 
important to kind of keep in mind. Like I said, no matter where we find ourselves um, in ministry or you know, uh, you know, role in, uh, in leadership, is that um, everyone has those days where you feel inadequate, mm-hmm. right? No matter no matter how long you've been doing it, you can test this, Rusty, right? So we've been in, the, in this ministry a long time, mm-hmm. uh, but no matter how long you've been in it. There are always those days when the enemy tries to beat you up and make you feel inadequate mm. um, or make you feel as if you failed. Um, and and the, the important thing is in those moments is that we step back and we remind ourselves that our value is not found in us or, like you said, in, in our particular talents or our skills or whatever we're trying to produce, but our our value is found in in Christ, right? Mm. And our value is found as we abide in Him and allow Him to to uh, let that fruit come as we abide in Him, mm-hmm. right? So so we need to constantly remember because we don't want to get you know too too up on ourselves and <laughs> and because uh, uh, sometimes you know when things are going well, man, you know you can get pretty excited about hey, man, you know I'm I'm, I'm doing this thing, right? I'm, I'm making this come together, but we need to. To stay humble and be reminded that it is only through, as you said, you know, only through the grace of God that um, our, our our leadership is is effective and our ministry is effective. But that's not to say we sit back and just say, "Okay, God, make it happen," right? Um, because God invites us to participate, and if He's inviting us to participate, that means we have to take action. We have a responsibility to grow. We have a responsibility to hone our skills, to learn those things that will help us. Um, be a better instrument of God's love in in, in, in the hope of Christ. So, um, but it's always good to remember that um, it is God at work in us and through us, and it, it is us abiding in Christ and allowing Him to be at work in us and through us that really is going to make uh, all the difference. Mm. That's so good, so true. Well, I know that. Um... You know, you've you've interviewed all these people. You've listened to all this material on you know churches and being a part of outreach and being a part of you know churchleaders.com and everything that you guys are doing. Tell me this: what are some church trends that you see going on right now that we weren't talking about ten years ago? Obviously, online is a big one, but you know what's what's been some of the biggest transitions you've seen over the last ten years. Um, and, and I'll kind of set you up with this. I remember, you know, 15 years ago, uh, we were just coming out of the, the worship wars, you know, as all the churches were fighting for what style of worship are we going to be. And, and now you don't really hear much of that. I mean, it still exists deep in the Bible Belt or the Midwest. But for the most part, most churches now have a band on stage. Most churches have lights and smoke. And most pastors don't wear suits and they preach from a table rather than a, a pulpit. Um, so what 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 are we you know what are we dealing with now that we weren't ten years ago, and what are our next big questions that we should be talking about? Yeah, it's a great question, Rusty. Um, and and yeah, as, as you said, you know the worship wars were, were kind of a big a big deal. And for for those that didn't have to live through that or lead through that, wow. Um, yeah, you, uh, lucky you. <laughs> no kidding. New, right? There's always something. And I would say that um, one of the big conversations and one, one of the things that um, we're really kind of processing through is how does digital impact church? 
mm. and not just how does the digital world impact church as far as uh, you know are we present on social media so we can connect with people where they are that's just kind of a given at this point people spend a lot of time on social media so if your church isn't um, then you're missing out on connecting with people where they are and that's one of the things we're called to do is to uh, you know find people right where they are and, and see how we can build a relationship um, so some of those things are just kind of givens uh, but the, the big conversation is interesting. I was invited to Facebook's headquarters um, just a couple months ago uh, with some ministry leaders, some representatives of some some big ministries and denominations across mm. the country. So there's a handful of us hanging out there, and we're talking and learning. And and one of the big conversations was how how are we de- how can you develop community when people aren't necessarily in the same room? Mm. And and that I think is going to be one of one of the bigger things as far as what does church look like uh, moving forward? Um, because literally we had, um, I, don't, I don't know if you know DJ Soto, but he's a, he's a guy who's kind of been pioneering uh, church in virtual reality. Yeah, so I've read about him. Right, pretty crazy. They did, uh, actually did a write-up on him in Wired magazine. So not mm. even a, you know, a church magazine, but just a, a technology magazine. But anyways, um, neat guy. I had the opportunity to hang out with him and, and we, uh, it was fun. We put on the Oculus, um, you know, face masks or whatever you call them and jumped into virtual reality and just, just pretty wild stuff. But he has started this church, um, virtual reality church, and he has people coming to his church in virtual reality from all over the world. And it's not a mega church. So, you know, I, I don't want people to think that, you know, there are tens of thousands of people flocking to a church in virtual reality world um, because it's not, it's, it's very new, but um, he has people who are coming, and he is reaching. He has more people who are like atheists showing up to his church mm. um, than you than you'd ever see in any you know brick and mortar church uh, that we know of, right? Because um, in that world, it's it's a different place, and there's a lot of curiosity, and so there are people who are searching for things. So it's kind of and again, I'm not saying that we all need to start a virtual reality church. And I'm not saying that's where a church is going. But what it did is it, it sparked some conversations because he actually talked about the fact that they did a baptism um, in virtual reality, um, which and, and he had some kind of like some still shots of what this looked like in the virtual reality world. And he shared those with us. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, does that even count as baptism? Like, you know, no one got wet, you know? So really it's like this conversation that people are wrestling through. And, but this particular person um, was, was a, a, a young woman who had been attending his church and she has some disabilities. So she's not able to, to get out and attend a regular church, but she wanted to be baptized. And she saw, uh, you know, DJ was her pastor. And so it made sense to her that he would be the one who would baptize her. And literally, they baptized her in the virtual world. Now, some of the people who were there came away and said, wow, you know, that's that's uh, fascinating. You know, um, I guess that makes sense. Some people came away and said, well, that, that can't really be. I mean, that's not really what 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 we need to be doing as a church. And it kind of reminded me is, you know, <laughs> throughout the history of the church, you know, there have been new things that have happened just as the world has unfolded. Right. It's history you know, has, has unfolded, there's been these, these new things. And we as a church are trying to figure out how to 
how, how to work through those and, and what is orthodox and what is true, you know what I mean? And, mm. and it's just all these characters. So I think that, again, the, the virtual reality world is just an example, but I think probably what most of us in our churches are, are bumping into is more of online campuses or online congregations, right? How, how are we ministering to people um, who aren't in the same room? And can we build authentic biblical community um, when we're not all in the same room? And does that um, do, do certain things break down uh, mm. because of that? Uh, because we're not in person. Um, and, and how much or how little of of life on life can happen? And so I, I think those are a lot of the questions that we're going to be wrestling with. So that's that's one thing to kind of be thinking through. And I think it's going to happen much more rapidly than than we expect, you know, if we just think about how technology has advanced, um, you know, in such a short time, mm-hmm. it's funny. I was talking with my kids and my kids are like, well, what else new could happen? Like, you know, <laughs> they feel like everything, you know, and I, I probably felt this way at some point too. Like everything's been, could be invented has been invented. Right. Right. And, we've, um, we've got the eight track tape. What else do we need? Exactly. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, how technology is progressing and how the church um, how, how the church responds to that in, in, in how do we navigate that in, mm. in a way that ultimately glorifies and honors God, right? So I, I think that's one thing that we're just going to have to continue to consider and wrestle through and, and keep an eye on and not let it um, you know, run off without us being engaged in some way in the church. I, I think that's one of the things that we've, um, we've allowed to happen over, over the years is allow certain things to move ahead and instead of us stepping in and seeing, well, how can we uh, honor God in the midst of that, we kind of pull back and mm. then the next thing you know, a couple decades have passed and, you know, it, it's a lot harder to try to redeem that for the kingdom right. once we've allowed it to just kind of run, right? Right. So I think that's important. I say one of the other things that, that we see, and this is a very cool thing that's happening is there's a sense that this is in uh, here in the North American church, we're seeing this happen more and more, is this sense of collaboration. Um, and it's really revolving a lot around citywide movements. Mm. Um, it's been really cool. I've done a lot of international work, and it's, it's been fascinating over the years. Internationally, it seems that collaboration um, happens a lot more readily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people aren't as caught up in what denomination, you know, you're associated with or whether or not you're connected to a particular, um, you know, stream of, of, of theology or a particular, you know, ministry organization. It's just kind of like, you know, internationally, it's we're all in this thing together. Let's, you know, lock arms and, and you know, serve God. Uh, but in the U.S., we, we tend to, we, we're very tribal. We tend to, you know, get caught up in. Um, you know, who we're connected to and who we're related to as far as a church. Uh, but more and more, and this is so much fun, we see churches, uh, you know, it's really kind of locking arms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like um, we're in the city for the city. And, you know, that, that, that God, you know, has a heart for our city. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? So how do we as individual churches that all find ourselves at this time in this particular place, in this particular town, um, this particular city, this particular metro area, whatever it might be, how how can we come together mm. um, to really make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God? 
So we're starting to see more and more of this idea of collaboration um, coming up against what, unfortunately, uh, had been the norm for so long, which was competition. Right. Churches, right. And so, um, and, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, it, it, all that competition has faded away because it hasn't. And, and there's some, some churches that, are, that still kind of view it that way. But there is this growing sense of we're not competing with one another. Right. We're standing together against against uh, the enemy, and and so there's this this beautiful thing that's happening. And we're seeing this again and again and again as as churches are rallying together for their city, which which I just love. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely awesome. Oh, that's so true. It's almost like we've. You know, when I was growing up, it was all about denominations, you know, and the differences and why we're not and all that. And now it's so different in that, I mean, the majority of churches are community churches or non-denominational churches. And it's really broken down a lot of those divides, which is really a great thing. Yeah, definitely. And and like, it, as you're kind of saying, it's rather than what um, differentiates us, mm-hmm. it's more we're saying, okay, what what do we have in common? Right. You know, they're, they're orthodox things that have to do with, with Jesus and his goodness and his love, his compassion, the new life he offers. And we all can agree on that. So let's just focus on that and let's just, you know, just saturate our city, saturate our neighborhoods together and, and help people to see that, um, that there is unity in, in some way. Because I think that's the thing that's really hurt us is, is – Whenever we get hyped up on what divides us, mm. um, people outside the church, that makes zero sense. Right. right. Like, wait, 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 you all love Jesus, but you can't get along. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You're, you're arguing over this point or that point. And so it's it's that idea of um, I, I really feel this is is um, and, and we see it all over the place. This is happening around the country where people are, you know, minimizing their differences and maximizing you know, what they have in common and saying, this is what we're running with for the glory of God. Amen. I hope we see more of that. Okay. I want to wrap up with a question that I, I use often on podcasts that I stole from William Vanderblumen with his permission. Uh, (laughs) But that is, uh, what's your favorite book you're reading right now or recently read? What's your favorite app that you're currently using and could you share with us an on-air or on a on-stage mistake or faux pas that you made? So we'll start with a favorite book. Yeah, this is always a hard one for me because I, I one, I like to read, and in my role, I get to read a lot. So um, I plow through a lot of books, but I would have to say probably the book that is. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna probably go too. So first is um, the Call by Oz Guinness. Okay. If you have not read the Call, um, you need to read it. It's it is powerful, very very powerful. So Oz Guinness, the, the Call that transformed my life. Um, but then uh, another one that uh, recently has been just a, just a solid read, and again something I highly recommend is it's called Five Q by Alan Hirsch, okay. and um, it really focuses in on um, the different roles that we find within the community of God and within a, a local church even. So it it uh, is very, very biblical, 
And I think it has the potential, as I've read it, and as I've talked with other pastors who have read it and other ministry leaders, I think it has the potential to really help, um, really help with a sense of revitalization within mm. churches, um, and and help kind of change some of the statistics, some of those declining statistics. Um, it's just very, very solid, very biblically um, centered, solid, um, solid book that that has to do with very practical, you know, taking the practical theology and and applying it to the local church. Very, very solid. So five Q by Alan Hirsch. Mm. Really, good. that's great. Okay, I don't, I haven't uh, heard of or read those, so I look forward to it. Okay, second one. What about an app that you're enjoying? Um. So there, you know, I'm involved on social quite a bit. So just basic social, um, social networks I'm engaged in. Um, probably one of the apps I use a, a a few apps every single day. So some social apps, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, but then also every day, you know, Uversion um, is mm-hmm. a fantastic app. Obviously, a lot of people use that. And mm-hmm. then uh, Evernote for me. Mm. Um, I've been using Evernote for years and it's just, you know, it's just like my other brain so I can dump everything in there and easily search and and find what I need to, to find. And I do a lot of, um, brainstorming. So different ministry initiatives we're working on, um, you know, you can, you can create notebooks and so you can have different documents that you can save in a particular notebook. So if you're, um, planning a sermon series or if you're planning an event for your youth group or whatever it might be, or, uh, you know, a marriage retreat, you can create a notebook just for that. And you can put, uh, you know, documents, notes that you take. If you have meetings with your team, you can keep notes in there. You can clip things off of the internet. So if you're, you know, checking out some things about uh, a particular, you know, let's say sermon series, for example. And so you, you're doing some reading um, online, uh, you know, in a particular book or whatever it might be. You can clip things and save them directly to that notebook and tag them. And so it just keeps things really, really organized. So I would say Evernote. Evernote's one of those tools that uh, I use every single day, and it's become one of my, my definite go-tos. You know, Evernote was such a find for me, uh, and I really am impressed with the versatility of it. And like you said, the amount of things you can put in there, more than just, you know, words, uh, you know, pictures, images, ideas, uh, sketches, all kinds of stuff. It's like you said, it's your second brain. And man, when I put something in Evernote, I feel such a sense of relief. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it's it's now taken care of. So exactly. it's all done. Okay, last one. You got an on-air mistake that you've made or on-stage mistake that you've made you would be willing to share? Oh, my, 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 my. I would say kind of the most recent... Um, wasn't, wasn't to say on air because no one got to hear it, fortunately, mm-hmm. but, um, I had Nick Vujicic was, was here visiting and, uh, spent the day with him. And so we jumped in the studio and, uh, we were recording, we were doing some video stuff and we were also recording podcast and, um, it was just a great time. He's just, you know, a great guy to be around and just his story and just his He's so full of energy and right. uh, just a you know, great man of God. So um, we're, we're digging in, man. We're, we're, we're going through this and getting really, really great things. And it was just a great conversation. 
And all of a sudden, I'd look down and um, realize that my digital recorder wasn't recording. Mm. This was about 15 minutes into an amazing conversation. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I had to stop. I was like, hold up, Nick. I was like, my recorder hasn't recorded any of that. And he's like, oh, brother, that was such good stuff. I really, I was like, oh, no, I so I felt, you know, feel real great at that point. So uh, kicked it back on. But we got back into conversation, and, and it was fantastic and, and good stuff. So. But that was one of those where I felt like, oh, my, you know, here he is sitting in the studio with me and, you know, and uh, just didn't go the way I anticipated initially. But it ended up being an amazing conversation. So God worked it all out in the end. But um, I, I went to crawl under under the desk here in the studio when I, when I looked over and saw this isn't recording at all. So <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that it happens to you as well because yeah, right. it certainly <laughs> happens to me. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time and primarily thank you for your ministry because as one satisfied customer, I love your podcast and I love the variety of guests that you have. I love it's uh, how you get right to the point um, and I love how I walk away with something practical every single time and something very encouraging as well. So keep doing what you're doing. It's a blessing to us all. So I appreciate it, buddy. Rusty, I appreciate those kind words. Thank you so much. And it's uh, it's my pleasure to uh, be with you. Thank you for inviting me to be on. And I'm excited about all those who will be listening. I, I just pray and hope that it's encouraging in some way. And uh, just excited to be a part of all that you're doing. And um, it's, just, it's just fun. Fun to hang out with you, brother. It's a great time. All right. We will talk again soon. All right. Thank you. God bless you.